Hi, everybody. Welcome to DFI Game Day. Um, I'm sitting here with my co-host, uh, Lucky Nagarajan, and we are very uh, uh, fortunate to have the two of the three uh, conference chairs sitting with us here. Lucky, how's it going so far? It's been great. Congratulations, Hannah and uh, Chris Woods. We're missing Sebastian, but I think you guys did a great job on the line of keynote speakers. Thank you. It was splendid. It was splendid. Yeah, I think the fact that Sebastian's not here, Hannah and I will actually be able to talk. This all worked pretty well. Absolutely. Yes. uh, He is probably talking about DFI and talking about later what we're doing today and tomorrow. That's it. uh, With so many other people. So, um, Chris, uh, I want to start with you. So, engineering milestones. If you've been in the industry for a very long time mm-hmm. and you've attended so many conferences, presented in so many conferences Absolutely, and been yep. the chair of so many conferences, um, where would you put this DFI 47? The, I mean, this is certainly up there, right? I mean, it's it's like there's two, to me, there's two different buckets you can go in, right? You've got projects, right? And so this doesn't compare to working on a project, right? So from a professional standpoint you know doing the foundation design for giant stadium right Right. Uh, not not the jets giant stadium (laughs) giant Um, stadium you know prudential center where new jersey devils play like some of those things that you can drive by and see and it's tangible that's a a totally different sort of professional fulfillment but you know with this i mean this this is up there right Uh, you know for hannah and i you know to to go you know a year ago to have our first call kind of saying where do we want this thing to go you know, and just starting from scratch with a white piece of paper and then to, to sit in the other room this morning, listening to the presentation, seeing how this, you know, and, and seeing how many people were here, right? I mean, we're back to like a, a pre-pandemic sort of. Sure. Sort of. That's, I mean, that's, that's, a, I mean, we're like coming out of the dark ages, right? It's yeah. fantastic. We're getting to see people again without their masks, eating, drinking, it's it's wonderful no so it's been it, it has been fantastic and, and just kind of that feeling you know hannah and i are sitting together in, in the first row and just kind of you know giving each other a glance every now and again like man we, we, we did it this is this is going pretty well we're pretty happy with this you know we pulled it off so yeah. absolutely. absolutely all right so hannah how about you where would you place this at least on this point in your career uh, where would this land in terms of uh, achievements? I mean, it definitely feels like a, a top highlight of my career so far to be able to share a conference like this with such a great team with Chris and Sebastian um, and to have it go off so well. I, watching the uh, speakers today and the panelists, everything gelled together very well. I felt like the topics actually played off of each other well. Um, it really felt, a lot, I felt a lot of pride for how everything has come together, how the team has come together. Um, do you feel like celebrities? <laughs> I mean, you walk around and like people you, are, I yeah. Mean, not like are you celebrities. the Beatles? Are you Madonna? We've not gotten to the point yet where we're like our salary is based on the amount of clicks we have on social. There you media. go. I mean, you know, I'm just we're not, we can't talk about yeah, it. We're not there this yet. is like right before you become an influencer. This is I think we're, <laughs> we're like all the other influencers. We're not Jared here. We're definitely not Jerry yet, right? Oh well. <laughs> we're, we're hoping, aspiring. You know, no, we're we're Chris. Yeah. Chris probably wanted to say something. That's not aspiring. No, it's it's fine. You know, I I, did, I had a chance to do. And I think you you did Jared's podcast with him. I did. Well. I yeah. did. It was a delight. And so one of the things I, I I talked about with him was this focus on 
relationships, right? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm extremely driven in building relationships because that's, you know, you have people that can kind of be successful in this business, but if you're, you know, if you're not that good at, at interacting with people, yeah. building those relationships, uh, you're, you're not going to be that successful, right? So to me- When did you um, learn that? What's when that? Did, that? Was that a class you took in school? They said relationship, I mean- I, Georgia Tech didn't have one. In fact, they probably had the opposite. No. They probably had how to destroy relationships. I didn't take that class. But. No, it, it takes a while, man. Right? It's it's you know, and, and you know, sitting next to two women who've been so successful in the industry, right? It's um, even for a male sometimes, right? And, and cutting my teeth in the New York market, okay, right? If you're not cursing louder than the guy sitting across from you at the table, yeah, you're generally not winning the argument, you know? Oh, yeah. And so I think as I transitioned from a consultant to a contractor. And instead of working just in like the New York City area, now I'm working all over the country. And yeah. the people, you know, Tim, you're in Tennessee, right? You, 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 you know where I'm going with this, right? You deal with people in different parts of the country. Yeah. They don't have the attitude like they do in Jersey or in the city or something like that. Yeah. And so it becomes much more of a give and take and like, or you need to deal a with- social chameleon. <laughs> you have, you have, you have become a social chameleon. Or a professional community. Yeah, professional. which is not a bad thing. Look, I can still go Jersey if I got it. Oh, right? well, that, but, well, that's like the community. So that's you're, another Jersey. You're in Jersey, one thing. Uh, I don't, I, I, so I'm you wear a cowboy hat when you go to Texas, people. so you wear a yeah. cowboy hat? Spurs? No, no, we're not that far. All right. Well, but, I would. But you have cowboy I'd do whatever. Nah, because the problem with going to Texas is you got too many Cowboys fans there, and that, that's a whole separate issue. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But got, I don't know. You're, you're, you're got, about celebrity. You know, do we feel, no. You're, um, you're like meatloaf. You'll do anything for love, but not that. No, exactly. Okay. Well, that's exactly right. But I, I feel like we've been able to, you know, I've made, I've made you know, relationship with Hannah and with Sebastian and with, with the rest of the, the folks that have helped put this thing together. Uh, to me, that's like the, the biggest and best thing that, that could come out of something like this, you know? Yeah, but cool. but you know, I still feel like uh, conference chairs are celebrities, superpower, very minor celebrities. celebrities, just in these four walls. Yeah, um, that's it, until Friday. Until Friday. Until Friday. Until Friday. I mean, we're talking about Sebastian, who well, is Sebastian hosting no, no. things our level of celebrity. Yeah, no, we're not host, Sebastian. Hosting things on LinkedIn and tagging you all, and you're sure. So you're viewed as social influencers and also celebrities for others. Social media say. is a thing. I mean, it's, it's here to stay. It's a, it's a part of what we do. Right. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of negative, a lot of bad stuff happened the last couple of years. Right. But right. there are certain things that as we've come out of it, you know, virtual social media, there's, there's different ways of interacting and communicating with people now. And it, that LinkedIn and, and social media is a very powerful way to get information out there. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I'm going to, so I, I asked a question, but you never did really get, when did you realize that relationships were going to be part of the job description? Is that, and I'll ask both of you that I'll ask Hannah and Chris, did you, did, is that something you just naturally knew after out of school or it take you a while? No, that takes a while. Okay. Right. Like to me, you're, you're scared. Like those first couple of years. Oh, we have Sebastian here. <laughs> Somebody's late. Sebastian. Sorry. <laughs> are we holding you up <laughs> i actually was listening to the presentation and then i looked at the time i like wow sorry um how we doing go ahead chris are we good um no it, it, right the, i mean you think about it those first couple of years you're scared as hell you're on a job site you're on a drill rig you're watching you're, you're just you're doing everything you can not to screw up yeah 
right? And so it's not till you start progressing into those management levels and you're working with other people and it's, um, you know, having to, having to be the one coming in and yelling at people. Like I've seen it when I was younger and you work with those kind of people and you're like, man, I hope the hell I never turn out like someone like that. And it, it's just, it's definitely something you learn. There's no classes on it. Um, Good. But how about you, Hannah? Is that something you just naturally knew right out of school? No, I, I think that's something you learn, especially as a, a young woman in construction when you're on a job site that unfortunately just showing up and doing your job well is not always going to be uh, what you can do to be able to do your job well. So having to learn how to interact with the superintendent, with the project manager, with the GC and the other people on the job site and understanding how each person, what mm -hmm. they value, what they don't value, how to do the best job for them um, has been something that if you so want to wheels always turning when you when you're with interacting with somebody are the wheels always turning to try to figure out how to interact is that something that you think about yeah yeah i think in the beginning sure you yeah. know if you don't know someone and then like anything you know you know the people you can then pick up the phone and apply pressure to that you can kind of give it to them a little bit you know the people that you know maybe maybe might be like sensitive like sebastian right? so yeah. speaking sensitive. of sebastian yeah sebastian, he's about to explode yes so we've got to get him in this conversation sebastian we're going to kind of say first the question is and we think we kind of know where it sits but where does being the chair of a dfi annual conference sit in terms of your professional accomplishments Tell us where the ranking it would be. Okay, but I, I, let's start with more than professional. Like, see, he starts, there, see, he starts, there it is. Like, I knew he wouldn't answer the question. He's just gonna tell us what he wants to start saying yeah. that it definitely ranks up here on the coolest things that I have done, right? I mean, forget about, uh, or let's call it professional, but let's just not say that it's related to, to your day-to-day -day job or something like that. Just more like the career that you choose and you're passionate. Because as I was saying this morning on the opening, it's, it's just super cool when you when you love these conferences, right? And when you love the this, right? The atmosphere that we have here right now. I know nobody can see, it, but you know, having all the exhibitors, having all the people that you know that we work with and friends and all that. Uh, and we, you know, you grow up through that. You you first want to be part of the conference, right? Just go attend, right? Uh, and then after that, you have the opportunity to present, to uh, get invitations, to get a keynote lecture, things like that. And then another thing is to have an invitation to be the chair of the thing, right? And now it's kind of like putting your vision. So, you know, now it's putting your vision into the conference. And, and that's the part that comes extremely cool because now you can kind of pitch the ideas and, and what you have been thinking for years of thinking, like, it's very cool to do this, and maybe we should do this. Now it's like they care, right? And, 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 and they listen to that. But it's but it's great because it, it as I said it, it just for more than it becomes like a personal thing and as you say it is a personal achievement it is not a personal thing because you cannot do these things alone right I mean there is yeah. no way that you are going to be a conference chair for this and you organize well it. that's I mean that is probably true about any professional achievement is that you yeah. really do and I mean that's probably something that lost in translation but you know that's kind of one of my main themes is my life is that uh, I've had a lot of folks that helped me along the way. I'm Absolutely. sure you have as well. Absolutely. And uh, kind of then say something like, you know, well, I'm responsible for it is it's probably not true in most. Yeah, there's not, there's not a there's not a lot of I in this business. Yeah. I mean, let's just call that what it is. Teamwork. And, and I think, you know, DFI yep. is a place where 
it's built on the support, right? Like we yep. all support each other. We all support younger generation. Yes. Right. And yep. and that is that shows that shows in the conferences, the energy levels, and yeah. uh, right. So absolutely, yeah. Because I mean, that's I mean, just a little bit of some things. But like today, when we were taking when we got our class, right, in the morning, like I didn't want to have my picture. You know, I mean, you know that I'm crazy about social media, but I didn't want to have my picture and just post on like I'm the conference chair because like. I'm nobody with this too, right? I mean, like they, they, it was a team effort. And by team, I mean, I'm the coach sitting on the chair and they are the players doing everything. So, you know. And you had the support of uh, Dr. Paul. Exactly. And then, and, then, and, and then it spreads from there, right? Because yeah. it's also not the three of us, right? It's, it starts there, but then. Absolutely. Each one All right. Has- so, so I'm going to ask you to switch gears. We got a little few minutes left, but let's, let's name some folks yes, that were on our team on this show right now that you would like to name. Well, DFI people, other people. Yeah, let's I mean, let's start with the DFI. Start with the DFI staff. I mean, you know, Jamie and Angie and Valerie and and Teresa and, and Matt, Maglison. Matt. You know, I mean, and Ash. And we do have and Ash. 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 Jessica. You know, Jessica. Sorry. <laughs> absolutely. It's you know, and we've got. I mean, you know, we could go on and on, right? I mean, there's there's session chairs. We got a dozen session chairs. We have how many people? Reviewing papers, we have, people. I mean, yeah, all of you know, yes. probably all presenters. I don't think I'm overstating it to suggest that you got to have at least 100 people involved in some capacity, yeah, to pull something off like this. I think between all the committee was 50, 50 plus or something, yeah, 50 plus, and that wasn't and nobody gets paid for it. I mean, other than the staff, but certainly this is a lot for them, yeah, but a lot of volunteers. Yes. Right. That's yeah, it. no. Then go go to the committee. That that's also where a lot of the yeah the technical committee. I mean, you have, yeah. I mean, everyone that has been like chairs, right? So everyone that is on a role of chair or everyone that is on a reviewing papers, and there are names that come even from DFI forty five. We have you know we have John with Valerie, and yeah, I mean it's, the list is yeah it's literally impossible to go through every single person, but it's just it's amazing. I mean, just look around. Well, and folks, and, this has been awesome. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Uh, you. Wonderful job. And, and we're, 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 yeah, we're, we're, we're moving into the second period. We're, we're like a hockey game, right? This That's is- it. But those seats but, don't, but, get, don't get too comfy because we're, we're coming back for our seats next Oh, yeah, yeah. We're That's it. Give them up. You know, before, before we go, we have an important question for all three of you. Okay. So first, we'll start with Hannah. Hannah, who are you wearing today? It's very important to be trendy and, you know, look good. And spread the love. So I want to find out, like, who are you wearing today? I think I bought my dress and my shoes from Bowdoin. Bowdoin. Yeah, okay. It's a British that, company. British company. Okay. Awesome. We love your shoes and we love your dress. Thank you. So, so Chris. I'm going to go to Sebastian first All right, bro, and yeah. then come back. I, I actually, I'm wearing, and nobody was going to know this, but now you put it on the open. I'm wearing this type that, you know, since when I had it? 1993. And it was the prom. It, was it the doesn't prom. come as any surprise to me. <laughs> it was the prom in my school, but it was not my prom. I was I'm giving you. But I was already going to the prom, you know, at the school. And I used to use it there going with my dad. And I always have it for like yep. events like this because to me it's something. He is with you. Sebastian, is it a is it clip on? No, no, no. Oh, it's besides drunk. Sebastian is not he's, not, he's not a clip on kind of guy. All right. I said that. But but it's just no. awesome to, you know, I mean, I I like to reflect on the situations and go back and to me, it's awesome to think that, you know, we achieve all this, you know, together and, and with time, but you can still go back and, and, and see yourself and the way that you, right? So yeah. now you've got my... Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sebastian Press. 
Uh, and, yep. I'm, I'm wearing uh, whatever it is my wife bought. Nice. Does that work? She's got good taste. That's Absolutely. She's got good taste. Yeah. yeah. She bought it him, so excellent. I, I think actually this shirt that I'm wearing had to get FedEx to me in Vegas last year because last year personally was such a mess for me around the time of the thing that I got on a plane without half my clothes. So she was like sending stuff FedEx to the hotel last year. So there you go. Awesome wife. <laughs> thank you. Thank well you. done. All right. Yeah. Well, gentlemen and ladies, thank you. Thank All right, guys. So thank you. Ready? Game day is pleased to have Helen Robinson with GEI. Um, so lucky, I'm gonna let you lead the way. Um, so let's start off. Yes. Helen, welcome aboard. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Helen. Thank you for being here. So I want to say something, you know, about how things have been with, you know, being in the industry. Our relationship started so many years ago as a professional connection and uh, turned into client relationship and then turned into, you know, things doing, collaborating things together. And then now we've become a personal level friends. Yes. And, uh, you know, the best thing to say is in August with families, we all went to Lake Tahoe. I got to meet her wonderful family, um, you know, Gabby, Tommy and Vinny, beautiful friend. I mean, beautiful kids. And uh, Gabby is uh, one of my favorites, not that, Tommy and Vinny, I don't like, but I just have my, uh, you know, uh, closeness with uh, Gabby. So I also saw that on uh, Facebook that uh, Gabby was contesting as the eighth grade uh, class president and yes. she was elected as president. Congratulations. Wow. Her. Thank you. It's very cool. exciting. Exciting day yeah. in the house. And then Vinny also got class representative. So they both oh, yes. are now elected officials. Congratulations and, uh, to Vinny. Thank you. So tell us, tell us about it. Yeah, I, I'll tell you that, you know, it, it is difficult or challenging to be a parent and, and, you know, try to juggle everything. And that when the kids are little, it's a lot of labor intensive type of things, right? Packing up bags and trying to, uh, you know, cart kids here and there. But now that they're a little bit older, they're 13, 11 and eight it's different challenges. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not going to say one is harder or not, but it's different challenges. It's, you know, stress mm -hmm. and um, bullying and school pressures and things like that. And they take a different toll on you, I mm -hmm. think. And it's a different bucket that you're pulling from to try and, and keep everybody happy while you're worried about high stress projects too. And while you're trying to keep projects in line and clients calling all the time yeah, yeah. and you know you're worried about these little people and how they're developing so um it's been it's been great to you know as they grow and so yeah now we're into the next stage of creating posters campaign posters <laughs> and writing speeches and and it's been really great so i'm glad that you got to meet them it's funny because they were telling me i was saying i'm going to dfi i'm gonna get to see lucky and they're like, that's not fair why do you get to see your friends well I, I, with the stars i'll ask i mean that is a really interesting that you all go went on vacation here and that's that's kind of rare in anybody's profession yeah right yeah. to become close friends now what do your uh when you said that y'all were going to go to vacation with like lucky and some other folks and limitzer and her husband that you knew from your profession, did they react anyway? I mean, most people go on vacation with like family, but here you are with professional uh, uh, relationships. 
Did they say anything about that? I think for them, you know, they see that this is what I do, you know, and, and being a single parent is sort of their focus is on me and what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I think I've told the story of, you know, I was putting on makeup and Gabby asked me, what is that? It's foundation. <laughs> She's like, oh, your work. Uh-huh. <laughs> sort of foundations sort of, right yeah, yeah. So sure. like they've been immersed in the culture of you know hearing the vocab and especially working from home they got to see me mm-hmm. all the time on calls guys I'm on a call now you know my camera's on and they really have gotten to see for the past two years how things go and the types of calls and we'll ask yeah. questions afterward like what was that about yeah. <laughs> you know so yeah, and I, I do remember like, you know, some of the uh, virtual meetings that we would have together and uh, Helen would be talking there and Tommy would be always coming up there and saying hello to saying us. hello, you know. Yeah. And that's something I appreciated, how the industry changed to where maybe three years ago, if you heard like a dog barking in the background of someone's call and you'd be like, aha, busted, you're working from home this afternoon. And, and it, there used to be some shame around that, I felt. And now it is accepted and embraced and people are realizing the good things about it and mm-hmm. i think for families it's just excellent to have that flexibility i'm spending so much more time with them than i would have been able to right because of that yeah you know? yeah and and i think uh, tim i think it's very important for us to you know talk about like helen we know that she is a big part of dfi right uh, yes. chair yeah definitely and she's been cheesy founder of, you know, co-founder and founder of uh, Women Indie Foundations, which we are going to call from now, WIDEF. So, <laughs> um, so she, she's one of those in GI, and she has her contributions and doing all that and uh, raising a family of three. I mean, how is work balance for you? Like, how can you do so much? Yeah. What I, tips do you have for others? I think, Lucky, the first thing I like to say is, the term work-life balance is very misleading. And, and I feel like it's more like you're creating a painting stroke by stroke. And as you're doing it, you don't like the color. You feel like you're failing. But then when you take a step back, you see the, the big picture, the masterpiece. And sometimes that's what other people see of us. People come up to that's me all the time. That's a great illustration. It right? really is. It is. People come up to me all the time. How are you doing it all? I feel like crap. I I feel like I'm failing at everything. And so if we all feel that way, let's not be so hard on ourselves. It it is kind of, it's, it's this weird thing because, and I, uh, you know, with, with my two daughters, I could see that they saw me like working hard and maybe, maybe somebody would say, well, you're not spending enough time at home, but they saw me struggling with that. So you wonder how much character building it was in them to see you struggling with that right Right. so they go when i become a parent i'll realize i'll have the same test and now i've got to work with that nothing just make it all look so easy yeah yeah you know they can see that i think it's a a a really opportunity to let them grow as they see you work through the difficulties of the demands of work and uh everything else yeah that's it's really building for them you know setting expectations absolutely like what's a professional like yeah, and maybe that was closed. You know, doors. there are people that are satisfied with checking in at eight or nine and leaving at five. But frankly, we're in construction. Construction goes all the time. Yeah. And it's really unrealistic. It you, you know, no, I don't, I tell, you know, my, the folks at our company all the time, you know, the day that we call them up and say, hey, by the way, don't do any construction because it's really inconvenient. <laughs> we, we lose all our clients. Yeah, we lose all our clients. Yeah, right? Yeah. No one's going to stop for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also want to talk to you about uh, Girl Scouts. I know that's a big part of 
Gabby and big part of what you have been doing and, you know, mentoring kids and, you know, tell us more about that. Sure. Yeah. I was a Girl Scout and got my gold award, but, you know, the highest award. And I, I always enjoyed passing that on. And now my boys are in Cub Scouts and it's just great to be, you know, part of it. It's a great environment. It's fun to do the outdoor stuff. A lot of that's related to our field as well. Right. You know, the outdoors and construction and everything. And I've enjoyed doing the engineering badges with the scouts. Oh, that's great. It's fun. I love it. It's fun stuff. Yeah. It's a good opportunity for them to learn yeah. outside of school and outside of some other organized activity, like a sport, you know, and, and I've seen the influence that coaches have on young kids. And I, I hope to, you know, do the same for scouts. Yeah. And I think a great opportunity to tell them that what geotechnical engineers do, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's fun because how else are they going to get exposed to it? I, I think if you, you know, walk around this exhibit hall and ask people, how did you get into geotechnical engineering? It's so very rare that someone knew that that's what they wanted oh, to do yeah. and had some kind of straight path there. Sure. You know, I started in aerospace, then structural, and then geotech. And there's a whole story of how I got there. Maybe all of us too. Yeah. And I think one of the things we'd like to do is stream that, streamline that a little bit and get get people more directly into the field. Really? And I yeah. think, how do we do that? By educating and starting younger. Well, kind of on that topic, and we had, we had mentioned that you are deeply involved in VFI. So would you pick, maybe pick one or two things within VFI that are the most memorable? That you can say, that was awesome. Or could, one or two of them, Helen? Yeah, just, sure. Take a I mean, moment. What, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you because one's on the top of my mind. That's what I want to hear. Okay. <laughs> it was last night at the leadership meeting. So you had, I don't know, 60 people there, volunteer people there, uh, committee chairs and trustees and people who, you know, are regrouping after a day of committee meetings and talking about what was good. And there was so much to talk about. Yeah. There was so much excitement and energy and you know, to think about that in a volunteer organization, it's just so motivating. Yeah. The, the power that we all have and the pull that we all have is really inspirational. So that's that's one of my favorite things is Excellent. getting together with the other volunteers who want to try new stuff and and building off of each other. What right. are you doing in your committee that's successful? Right. What are you doing, you know? Well, you mentioned committees, so we, we really need you, Helen, to make a plug to the, and obviously you're good at motivating and mentoring because you have three children. <laughs> Can you give a plug right now for folks to become active in yeah. the committees? Okay, we need you to join technical committees. They're the lifeblood of DFI. They're how you know about the latest and most innovative things that are happening in the industry. If you're not there, you're missing out on opportunities, business opportunities. And a good time and meeting friends. Yeah, friends. people that want to meet friends. you. Yeah. The great thing is that they want to meet you. I'm not sure about Chris Woods, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, everybody on the committee, they want to meet, you know, people that are on the outside. Yeah. They'll come in. It will not be like a, you know, they will not get iced out. They will be welcome. People know yes. your name. Yeah. You walk in and we, you know, it's a it's really a wonderful experience. And I know you both have, have been involved heavily. Yeah, and at the Micropile Committee meeting, anyway, come sit at the table. You don't have to be a senior member of anything. We, we want you to volunteer and yeah. participate. And I know that's the same thing. That's for all great. The committees. That's a great yeah. point. And consider technical committee day as part of the conference. That's right. It right? is part of the conference. Part of the conference. Come and enjoy your day and 
you get to know people a lot more intimately than the conference day. Right. So take take a chance. Take a chance. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Helen, it is wonderful to talk to you. It always is. Thank you for being on Game Day. Yes. And a lot of hugs and kisses to Gabby, Winnie, and Tommy. Thank you. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Welcome back to Game Day. And we have Mary Nodine with GI Consultants, who is a geo rock star. Right, Tim? Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt about it. So do you, when you think about Mary, and when we see Mary at the conferences, you know, what do you think or what do you want people to think about you in one word? In one word. That's a hard one, Lucky. Well, let's, let's, I know something. We know something about you. Creative engineer. Creative engineer. I'm a blend. With so many people around, it's always nice to put a name with something special about, right? And for you, you said the artistic side, but we know that you are something special with Geostrata. I what am. is that? I am the geopoet for Geostrata. Um, I've been doing that for about, um, oh my gosh, 14 years at this point, writing a poem for every issue. Um, so that's probably the number one thing that when I come to a conference, people see my name and they're like, oh, that, you're that there person. There you go. I definitely get that a lot, which is, it's um, honestly, it keeps me going because it's not easy to write a poem every no, no. for multiple for many years. So, so yeah, that's my claim to fame. That's I, totally If I die tomorrow, I'll, I, yeah, I've never written a poem. I've never, ever. I mean, I mean, I might have like started a limerick, but then I kind of gave up on it. It's never happened. Yeah. You know, uh, Mary is correct. The first time I saw her and I saw her name was Mary Nodine. I said, oh, my God, I love geopoems. When I opened the Geostrata magazine, that's the first thing I read, the last page of Geopoint, uh, Geostrata magazine. You know, that's that what I told be, her. That may be, you know, I'm skimming through and I read the poem and I also do the geocurmudgeon thing. I like that. Oh, I like John Butler. But, yeah. but Mary, tell us, what was... Tell us maybe the background or maybe how did that formulate? Well, when I was first starting out as an engineer, I was doing a lot of lab work and um, I just kind of get bored. My very first poem was a haiku about the number 10 sieve that I wrote while the sieves were shaking <laughs> and I just stuck it on the lab cabinet. People, it just kind of took off within GEI and uh, people enjoyed it. And I was just writing poems about people sort of inside joke type things. And um, then I went back to school and worked in Arkansas for a year. And at some point I wrote one about how I missed Boston Blue Play. And oh my um, God, my dad really liked it. He was like, you should send this to a journal. And I just sent it to Jim Withiam at Geostrata. And oh, I was like, oh, here, nice. just in case you want this. And he was like, this is great. Will you do on next issue? And then the, the, the rest is history. Yeah, wow. 40 but years. I honestly feel at this point, like it's my, like I owe this to the industry. Like it feels like a responsibility placed on my shoulders, which is like both, cool and also a little intimidating sometimes i don't know i mean for, for me like you know uh, i mean there are two poems that you've written that stands up and no matter how exhausted or how stressful day i've had when i open that poem and then i start reading it brings a smile on my face you know it brings a smile on my no, face I can tell. it's already warming up in here oh well now here people will come up and tell me like how much they love it and i'm like all right and then do another one <laughs> yes yeah i said the soil erosion one and the bearing capacity one yep. i was like that was like how 
nothing bearing capacity to a poem. How would you write those lines? You know, that was the blue and See, I, I, look, I, I, that is warm, very nice. I, I just think of how it just totally breaks a stereotype. Oh, yes. You know, there, I mean, now to hear some engineers reach out and, and have you do it and say you like it. I mean, I, I think at least my generation, it was like, well, if poetry doesn't do anything for you, then it's like less valuable. But I'm thinking that you would totally disagree with that. And you would too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, why, why is that? Do you th I mean, that I, mean any... I, I think it's, I think it's important to kind of. Does poetry have more to do with like engineering reflect on or less to do? More meaning. Like it, it, it kind of, I think it gives more meaning to what we do because yes. if people, if, it's not just this like black and white, blah blah blah. We're yes, doing our I job. So. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like there's there's we have passion for this. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I, th I think that's a good point. It brings yeah. out the emotion, the passion, and also the creative process. Right. A lot of people think that, that engineering is like sitting down and just calculating something out, and but it's not. There's a huge creative aspect to it. <laughs> and and if you think about it, like you know, writing a poem when you read a poem, it's like you're seeing the world through the eyes of the writer, right? Yeah. That's number one. And number two is like in the writing, you can see the expressions and the feeling of the writer having with respect to that topic or you know, soil in your in your thing. But the other interesting thing is, I would say I often approach a poem like I'll often write it about something I'm struggling with. Like I wrote one about creep when I was like yes. in the depths of figuring out secondary compression. And like, I wrote one recently about data management because I'm working on an NHI course about digs and data management and just like in the weeds with it. And sometimes it's like putting that structure around something will sort of help me figure it out and understand it better. Yeah. Which just, and yeah, it seems counterintuitive, but it's true. So when do you write these? Do you write it at first thing in the day? The best, no, no. The best writing is that, that I do is actually on airplanes because oh. I'm just like in this little bubble and there's no distractions. And um, I went during COVID, I actually struggled to meet my deadlines because <laughs> it would be like, I was going on a business trip. I'll make sure to write a poem. And it, it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I sometimes just do them on my couch, like in the evenings, but yeah, airplanes are, airplanes are a good spot for me for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you, you sit down, write it, start to finish, and you're done? Or is it a process of editing? Start to finish, but it might take me multiple hours. Like it, it sometimes can take a long time to really work the whole thing out. And then I'll put it away for like multiple days or sometimes even a week, depending on how much time I have. And then I'll pick it back up and kind of type it up and clean up. I usually handwrite it to start then and not, um, and it's like the most messy thing you've ever seen. Especially when it's a rhyming one that's supposed to be the hardest. Yeah, yeah. I, I usually just bang them out because once I start them, I get obsessed with it, and then I, I no, need I'm, to like get figure out where it's gonna go. I don't always know where it's gonna end when I start it. I'm right? a fan of rhyming. Okay, I I almost that's how. Is that kind of like the most lowest form of poetry in your yeah, opinion? I feel like people probably enjoy the rhyming ones more because I think they like they're engineers they like the structure but i've actually gotten into reading more poetry and i i listened to a daily poetry podcast actually oh. um called the slowdown that's amazing and i feel like consuming poetry has helped me i mean i've always like I, I wanted to be a writer when i was in middle school like i've always liked writing but consuming more poetry has definitely made me i think a better poet and more creative with what structures i choose 
But then it kind of makes me be like, hey, I can write poems that don't rhyme. Why do these engineers need rhyming poems all the time? I'm going to mix it up. But I do get the feedback that people like the rhyming ones more. <laughs> See, I think bearing capacity was not so much what soil erosion was. I think which one you're talking about the soil erosion is, but I it, it might have been a long time ago. We're, we're yeah, at the very end of this. We're going to ask you to recite a short poem. If you can. I yes. can't do it. Can't do it. No, no. It's, it's not I don't know if you had like a limerick or something. Very give me the number ten. Well, we, yes. we're going to do that at the very end. Okay. But I've got a question for you. Okay, before we we get there, um, and I can't remember the question because we just talked about that. I'll think about it. Just you keep going. Okay. <laughs> so you know. Um, I, there, there is some kind of, you know, when you think about like you writing these poems, like, you know, they, people will always think like, who else in your family? How did you get this? How did you inherit this? Is there any artistic uh, blood in your family? Is there any other artists? My mom loves to write. I don't know that she's much of a poet, but I probably got that from my mom. And actually, my mom still edits every single one of my poems. Oh, really? She's learned a lot of geo and geotechnical engineering from that. But she's, she's, she's like... A scientist and a piano teacher. So oh, she, there not, you go. Um, really, her I think there's a there's a link between creative, yeah. uh, scientific, and engineering and all that. Now, I remember the question I had. Okay. okay, awesome. So, is there a poet that you know? I, it sounds like you've listened to a lot of contemporary poetry. Which, but is there anybody in history that you would say, you know, like Edgar Allan Poe? We, of course, we all know. Or is there a poet that you would say, this is my favorite among? My favorite poet overall is probably Mary Oliver, who's reasonably contemporary. Um, I'm actually not exactly sure um, exactly how close to contemporary she is, but but Emily Dickinson I also really love, and Emily her Dickinson. like rhyming structure actually is inspiring to me because oh, yeah. she's very creative with it. Um, but both of them do a lot of nature stuff, which I also appreciate um, and makes me feel more calm. So yeah, um, I I have no sense of poetry or you know uh, what the, the the first poetry that I have enjoyed is the poetry geo poems on geostatus. And now I'm going to go back to uh, the two poets that you talked about, and then there I'm going go. to probably uh, read some of that for Good. sure. <laughs> so, do you want to? Uh, Talk about number, yeah, we want to hear it. Sorry, but no, no, so my very first geopoem was called Number 10. What year? And this is how it goes coarse yet delicate, only need a dental pick, the perfect style. Oh my god, coarse but dense. Yes, I love that. And which year did you write this poem? Um. I think it was 2000. I'm, I don't know if I was an intern in 2002 or if it was 2003 when I first started working, but that a long time ago. Oh my God. That's 2003, 2004. Wow. Yep. Very long time. And and you said you've been doing this for 14 years. Yeah. I've done the Geostrata one since 2008. 2008. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, But I always welcome guest poets. So anyone who's listening and wants to um, right? throw a to poem in the yeah. ring, I... I will definitely consider it and probably publish it because it gives me a break. So. Awesome. I love seeing what other people do. There's got to be somebody that will reach out to you. Yeah. I can already think about uh, Howard Perko. He will say, I want to write a poem. And then uh -oh. he's okay. I, I hope so. He's probably going to write a poem on uh, helicopter piles or physics. Or, That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you, Mary. I think it was wonderful to hear from you. And I always wanted to. So welcome. Yeah, Thanks for joining us, for sure. So thank you and keep writing and we will keep reading. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. It was fun to talk to you.
Same here. Thank you. Pleased to have our next guest join us. Sonia, how's it doing? Thank you. You should say who's yes. so Sonia Swift. Um, Sonia, you're with the Menard. And um, we really are glad you joined us. So, yes. No welcome aboard. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, for Tim and I, uh, we know you through DFI eyes, but I think uh, we want to ask you what do you do for Menard? How long have you been with Menard? So I've been working at Menard for five years now, officially, but I've been designing um, ground improvement for Menard for about 16 years um, because I was doing the designs for them when I worked at GDI Consultants. Um, so right now, what I do is I manage the design team across the country. So I work with the design engineers, um, come up with kind of standards and, and sta um standard ways of doing things and, and evaluating the different designs. Um, I get in, called into the, the problem child <laughs> project um, and try to, you know, get involved in, and figure things out um, with the different teams. And one of the biggest things uh, or biggest kind of differences in my role is that I'm a central resource, but the company is regionalized. So most people are just working with their region. And, and it's kind of, you know, you're working with the same five or six people all the time. And there's a lot of differences between the regions and how they work and, and they have a lot of autonomy, which is great, but I get to work all of them. So I get to kind of see those differences and, you know, cross. Well, Sonia, you're, I mean, you're, would it be fair to categorize you as uh, really like a, a design geotechnical engineer? Mm -hmm. Now, for those out there, I mean, it's not everybody. We've got, you know, here we've got contractors, we've got, uh, you know, consultants, we have manufacturers, uh, manufacturers suppliers, suppliers. Yeah. but we also have a lot of young folks out there. And they, could you kind of tell us what your daily routine, just the, the nuts and bolts, so they understand what it is when Sonia walks in, puts down her cup of coffee, <laughs> tell us about like a, a day so they can experience what a design geotech engineer does. Okay. So um, I, I'm actually kind of removed from that a little bit. Um, but what I do is a lot, I check my email. I usually have a, a lot of different calls that I'm part, participating in. Um, and I start looking at the messages on Teams. Um, and I'm typically getting messages coming in all day, questions, hey, how do you do this? Um, hey, can you take a look at this model for me? Um, so a lot of times I go in and I have no real idea what's gonna what's gonna come right, at me right. and the the end of the day is completely different than things were at the beginning of the day. Uh -huh. um, I do spend a lot of time checking things over and and kind of reviewing things with the different engineers, uh -huh. um, <clears throat> and I partake in a lot of committee calls and, and things of that nature. What would you say? Um... It, it can be two or one, some, something that you were not prepared for in school that you have found so important now that you're, in the industry. Uh, you know, an established professional. What, what is, what's that skill, that one thing you say, man, I'm glad I got that, but no one prepared me for it. Communication. I mean, no, by far having to explain what you did and why 
in a way that the person on the other side can understand it, um, whether that's on a phone call with a lot of different parties or via email yeah. or, you know, during a presentation, just getting that experience is, is invaluable. And the way that I learned it was by kind of sitting in on meetings with, mm -hmm. with my, my mentor at the time, my, my boss at the time, my mentor now, <laughs> always, um, and, and just kind of observing, just sitting there yeah, and, and yeah. listening. And I, I think that's so important. Uh, for all right. So all if it's communication, I'll, I'll ask you just some questions. So um, you're, you're probably uh, of that generation where you saw uh, you probably email already existed, but text, and then, you know, we got voicemail, we got phones. Is there, a, <laughs> is there a mode of communication that you feel is the best and the worst and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Definitely. So, uh, yeah. So for uh, my general rule is I like teams and I like the kind of instant messaging capabilities of that, um, both because it's fast and I can access it from anywhere, but also because I can ignore it, meaning, you know, I, I can answer it at my own pace uh, uh -huh. because someone's not going to Teams message you if something is, is an, right, an right. extreme emergency. Right. Um, for, but I, I think the downside of that is for something that's really long and involved, I want an email. Um, I, you know, the Teams messages, when you're Typing right. a Teams message that's three paragraphs long, it, it shouldn't it's be a yeah, message yeah. anymore. Um, the worst, I think, is text. Text, uh, yes. text to my phone, you know, from a job site, that makes it really difficult to keep track of. Yeah, yeah. And transfer in any way, you know, when you want to refer and, to it. And I think email also uh, lets you keep it in the group of emails that you have and track the email and you know it's it's there proof mm -hmm. justification yep you can read and you can't miss anything right you can plan organize very well right you know even with email i have my pet peeves oh yeah there's two of them okay first is if they don't use a salutation oh yeah if they just simply go right into the idea yes that that bugs that's true the second is if they don't put their phone number Yes, box. you know, yes, I agree on the second one. It's it's so difficult to track that person because if you think about our clients, right, Sonia, I think you can back this up too. Like there are some people who prefer emails. There are some yep. people who prefer phone calls. Yep. Some people who prefer not to be contacted. <laughs> some people put in their email, please call me, but not put their not phone, phone number. number. Yes. yes. And and it's, it's like that's yeah. kind of presumptuous that I know what your phone number is because, you know, we all know that, you know, Post-COVID, we rarely go through office numbers. I mean, it's just, we go through right to the cell. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. if somebody has an office uh, direct, you yeah. type that, but you yeah. you're like, oh, I want to call you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when it, there isn't a formal signature at the bottom, that drives me crazy because, or it's just their it's name. It's just their name. Yeah. Like, you can. Yeah. yeah you so can track that. I want to switch gears a little bit. Yeah. I know you're part of uh, Ground Improvement Committee. Yep. Right. Yep. So, how long have you been part of technical committee uh, ground improvement? And also tell us a uh, tell our tell our listeners and young viewers a little bit of how important it is for you to be part of it, and what do you gain, and why you have to. Yeah, I think it's really important. Uh, so, I've been a part of it probably for about three years or so okay. at this point, maybe four. Um, 
And I think it's really important to be there because everything that's discussed there um, impacts our day-to-day -day work. Mm -hmm. And if, if it's going to impact our work, then we should have a say in it and, and we should be able to kind of guide and, and be part of the conversation. Um, it's also a great way to meet people and to mm -hmm. make connections. Um, it's it's so cliche, like, of course, that's what everyone's going to say, but it really is because I find myself like here and I know so many more people this year than I did when I went in 2019. And and most of that is because I've been partaking in committee calls um, over the last few years virtually, and you just get to to know people and, and make relationships outside of the committee. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it really is really important. And it, it also gives you a chance to know what the what's happening in the industry. What's what is the latest and greatest that is happening uh, yeah, that yeah. relates to your work? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And I I think uh, you know the other thing also is like I've been part of technical committees for the last seven years, and I think I've seen a shift in where uh, a lot of older people used to be there, but there are a lot of younger people who are getting involved and trying to do things, which is very good for our industry. Sorry. Right? Are you, I know I'm certain you've been on other committees, whether it's, you know, homeowners association or whatever, but, uh, and I'm not, that wasn't a criticism. I was just trying to say, you know, like PTA, I've been on the PTA committees. Is the level of commitment, are you surprised at the uh, DFI committee's level of commitment? Uh, it, I mean, in a way it's, it's, you don't have to, do too much other than attend the meetings. But, and, but it's and, pretty active. That's, I guess my point is, are you surprised at activity that occurs? I, I mean, I've been on a lot of committees where you go in and it's like, we read the old notes, yep. we prepare the new the notes, notes, and then we dismiss. <laughs> yeah, done. Yep. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, we, we created task forces and actually prepared documents and gotten things on. I remember when we, when I first joined that working platform document had just been put together. Um, and at the time, I was kind of like in awe of it. Wow, they, these these people put this thing together. <laughs> um, and you know, there's been a lot that's that's happened, and the research that that the committees fund and get updates on um, is also extremely relevant and, and priceless, really, because we don't have time to do that. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's great to team up with the professors and and really dig into the things that are going to have an impact on our, our work. Yeah. Um, so I think we have come to the end of the, uh, you know, this our session. session. The session. So Sonia, you, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> so before you leave, uh, if we can ask you, what is the most important thing that comes to mind when you think of the apply? The people. Oh, thank you. The people. Just like the nice. people guys. I like that. Good answer. Good thank answer. You. Thank you, Sonia. And it was really great to have you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. It was awesome. What a, what a great. Lewis. So we, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the show. So we have Lewis Gonzalez all the way from Florida uh, to talk about contracting to us. Right, Tim? We'd love it. We would love it. Tell, we, we, we would really kind of, we talked to, um, Sonia about being a, a design engineer and we'd really like to dig down with you and talk about what your life is like being a contractor. Okay. If that's okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, like, well, let's, let's start off this way. 
Lewis, um, for there's going to be some people that listen to this, and people are going to know you, and they're going to put a they're going to say that's that's Louise. And so, tell us something about you that they'll remember. We'll say Louise, <laughs> he's the guy that blank. I'm from Colombia. Colombia, <laughs> yes. Okay. So came here about 18 years ago, okay. in the United States, uh, and I've been working in consulting and contracting for did you move with years. uh with with your family or by yourself my wife okay uh, we got married and about a year later she got a job in north carolina as a teacher okay. so we decided to move here it was supposed to be only for a couple of years does she still teach she does what does she teach she teaches uh spanish at a christian school super awesome yeah that's awesome yeah, so you know i i worked as a consultant okay I go here for several consulting companies okay then work for a contractor because you were in the uh, north you're in the you're in i, I was in south carolina, south carolina. Yeah, okay so I worked for a pcs okay. over there for several years and then uh got a job with a, a ground improvement contractor actually moved back to colombia and i was kind of their regional engineer for latin america Okay. That's kind of my first. Now, did your wife move back with you, or yeah. we all kind of split time, time? We already have a couple of kids, so we moved back. On the family. Columbia. Yeah. Okay. So then spent a couple of years over there. Then I guess we, after being here for several years, we <laughs> we didn't get used to it, so decided to move back. Very nice. And then uh, I've been working well, working at Worcester for about Worcester. seven years now. Yes, that's so, awesome. You know, we do. Uh, ground improvement. Yep, I go way back with Worcester. I, I, I actually helped us on a job in I, Florida. I've said several, ago. several jobs. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I said, I go back with your guys a long way. I, I, I remember Daryl when uh, both of us were young bucks. Oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, so, good bunch of guys yeah. and yeah. ladies. Yeah. So, you know, we do geostructural work, you know, saw nails, tie bags. Microfiles, the foundations a little bit. We, we used to do overcast. Uh, now, Daryl's claim to fame back in the day was the drain at the bottom of the sole nail wall. You're smiling. <laughs> he knows is that still. Is that still? He does. He still does. <laughs> so, I mean, drain drains. Great drains. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he came out with that idea. He still sells it, so you guys might have to. Have I remember the show. So. I remember it. The shows you'd have a big box of them. Yeah, showing them out. Yes, you're selling those. So that's great. Anyway, so now you know I've been with the company for about six years now. Mm -hmm. I'm mainly helping them with the ground improvement side of the business. You know, we do the geostructural mm -hmm. and then the ground improvement. So I was in in South Carolina, so we will have the main office uh -huh. three years. And I moved to Tampa uh -huh. three years ago to open the office. That's, That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. So, right. we've, so we've been in Tampa for about three years. So you said you moved to uh, Colombia for a little bit and then came back here. Yeah. So I'm assuming uh, you had a pretty uh, intense contracting life there too. So what can you tell us about contracting in Colombia versus contracting in uh, I USA? Love to. We would like, yeah, well, love maybe to a little that. contrast. Yeah. So you know, is. The main difference, I would say, is the technology we have here. You know, over there, you know, we do kind of the same. As far as engineering goes, it's the same. You know, over there, we use the same software, same methodologies. Everything is the same, just mainly the technology. Here, you have equipment to do everything, like, for example, deep foundations. 
here you have all the machines to do brew shops and all that. In Colombia, I came 20 years ago, but still like just this past summer, I was spent a couple of weeks there and I was looking out of the window and I was seeing guys, they were working on a different foundation job for a building mm -hmm. and they were still doing that by hand. Mm -hmm. So you have a couple of guys just digging the, I don't know, six foot diameter shaft oh by hand. Were they, were they cribbing it or were they like put a pipe in and just digging out the bottom? No, they used to digging with a shovel. And a with a shovel? Yeah, and they go, I don't know, five feet, put a little bit of concrete. Oh. That is set for wow, like a section of concrete kind of thing. And then keep going another five feet. So they still doing that in most of the jobs, you know, and they go down 30, 40 feet. Wow. So that's different. Yeah. So uh, it reminds me a little bit of India. A lot of things that are done in India is still like old school. Labor that shocks you labor. labor yeah. to, to equipment price is a little bit different than it is here. So that, I guess that's kind of the main difference. Did you have to bid work that where you were like looking at a lot more like labor hours as opposed to equipment time? Yeah, basically, but again, what you just mentioned, labor is, is way cheaper than having equipment. And there are, you know, there are jobs like major infrastructure jobs where the equipment is available, but for a regular seven-story building, residential building, the contractors or the owner is not going to spend the money to sure. get the equipment to do that. So they hire, you know, people that specialize in doing that, you know, that, that kind of labor work. So, you know, I think that that's the main difference. Also safety. Mm -hmm. You know, because you know you're not gonna get down in the hole to prove the the foundation soil. You, you have know. a we have a different. I mean, and it's just the way it is. I mean, even the legal system in the United States now is not what it was 50 years ago. Yes, I mean, yeah, I went yeah. down a lot of drill shafts. A lot of my colleagues went down drill shafts, and I can tell you now that there would be no way the safety folks would let you go down. In fact, I remember because I worked a lot in cars. And they twist the casing down, uh -huh. and then you just get lowered in a little trapeze yeah. below that level. It's like okay. you know they have cameras now. Yeah. They they've got cameras. <laughs> well, they, they they do they 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 don't. I mean, I I, I suspect it's rare. But, but um, back in the day when I was I worked as a consultant in Colombia, and I would have to approve the foundation soles, I never got into those holes. You know, I trained my ear, and I would drop a, a steel bar. And depending on the sound that it would make when it go down, I would approve it or say, keep going. Until keep going until it's See, I mean, in the U.S., it would get written in the specifications that you had to scratch like a little yes, one-inch hole. So yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was dicey. Right? I mean, it's too dicey in India. I, yeah, it's a whole, <laughs> again. Uh, no, re recently uh, I was on a job site in India and uh, it blew my mind the type of crane that they brought on the site to help us, you know, lift the pipe piles and sheet piles for installation to pitch in into the equipment. And it blew my mind how old it was and how many times it was repainted. And I was like, oh, uh -oh stay in your lane. You're talking about repainted equipment. <laughs> I. Louise knows what I'm talking yeah. about. I think it, every job site you repaint it so it looks like it's brand new. But, yeah, but but without anything being seen, you know what I mean. So, no. well, you know, it's it, that's something they never didn't they didn't really tell us in school. They never yeah. really told us that your engineering future is not just molded by engineering; it's being molded by by the legal system, 
to be multi uh, molded by the economics of things where labor, labor yeah. is much cheaper than equipment, yeah. it's labor intensive. Where you have very strict safety rules, you don't have to go down a hole. Yeah. Well, and over there, you know, you still, they still care about safety, but it's, oh, no, no. You know, it's, oh, it's different and the legal system is, you know, I it's don't know. It's just the legal system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say now is it's the legal system is closer to what we have here. You know, you have lawyers that I mean, would, would sue you. I mean, that's what happens. changed. I think that's what changed here is not, I think, I mean, I went down a lot of drill shafts and so did my friends and colleagues. We never really thought to ourselves, you know, that this was unsafe. We just said, this is what you do and we'll do it safely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not, but, but it's really the legal system that changed, not really the engineers. That's okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. so, I mean, it really wasn't like, I don't think any culture purposely sets out to be. No, I don't uh, think so. And it takes ages uh, to change. Those it does. Systems, it's just, right? it's just that process. It's then who knows? You can't push one little button. Yeah. It's just it's society as a whole. Yeah. And yeah. Hu human uh, emotions are getting in the way and you have to balance all of them and then get to a point where it all works out for the industry. Right. Well, we, we, we talked to Helen about her day. We'd like to ask you the same thing, please. Can you kind of give us a picture paint a picture of for us i'm sure you do with your kids kind of say hey this is what it was like today tell us what your day was a day is like oh we started the day i don't know early 6 30 you know you're uh early boy well you know get, get up get ready and look emails make sure see what happened and then start you know responding to clients and you know proposal yesterday yeah. i was just before the interview we just on the phone with a couple of people that told me about an opportunity and uh, and then you know to the office uh, we have a couple of meetings you know with clients and if there is a job going on at the time where i'm the project manager I need to get in touch with them to make sure that you know they have what they need um you know have a team that supports me with beats so right. we have a calendar where we have the beats for the week so making sure that we everything is on track uh you know a lot of phone calls my kids uh make fun of me because even when we're in the car i'm, I'm on the phone i tell them to be quiet because i'm talking to somebody and they, they make fun of me because it's like, they say like, I want to have a job like you when I grow up because they oh. you used to talk on the phone and to travel. It's more than that, but yeah, that's what they see, you know. So, Welcome to the foundation. And, and they, you know, they call me and sometimes I don't pick up and then they say, oh, you didn't pick up. So like, if I'm with a client, less is urgent, I'm not going to pick up the phone, you know, because that's my yeah. job. So, yeah. you know, a lot of time on the phone and emails you know and uh conferences as well you know uh, i do a lot of business development for the company so mm -hmm. i have to come to you you have a lot of hats sounds like basically you yeah. you're you're bidding projects of running the projects you're actually uh interfacing with your superintendent and how to he has a problem he's in our contract issue or whatever we have some support but again i just have to be involved in everything especially i'm developing the market in florida so i'm still what's your you know, favorite part of your dad. It's when I win a project, I guess. Oh, when I get a project. phone call from the client saying that I've got a job. There you go. <laughs> we all like that. We all like that. But I also like when, you know, when people call us with a problem they have and we're able to help it, even though maybe I might not be able to help them directly, it's not a job I can do or I can get. I like pointing them in the right direction and mm -hmm. try to get in touch with somebody I know can help them. So, Isn't that you know, interesting? I think so many of us have that same feeling. Same like feeling, right? You get a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can do a project, and if it's a good project, 
and you know, and, and we always like to make some money. Yeah. But even if it's when we make a modest amount of money, or you know, even a little bit of money, but if it was a clean job and everybody's happy, yeah, that's just so pleasant. Yeah. When you get that email or a call from the client and say thank you for helping us, yeah. that makes us right Absolutely. satisfied for what Absolutely. what we stand for. Yeah. So I have, uh, I think we are almost coming up to the end of our uh, conversations, but I do want to ask you one question before we let you go. As uh, you know, we have had this conversation before. Next month, I will be going to Columbia. I'm super excited about this, the Colombian Geotechnical Society Conference. So those of you that don't know, Lucky is a world traveler. He's a star. All right. Tough to be in your shadows, Lucky. Go ahead, though. ask the question. So what? So I'm going to Cartagena, as you know, and it's your town. Uh, what is one thing that you want me to definitely do? You actually have to go to the old city. So Cartagena, I, I grew up there, went to school there. I lived there for 18 years. You know, it's a city that is almost 500 years. Oh it was God. one of the first cities when the people from Spain came to uh, America. So it's, it's really old. The whole city is really beautiful. You have to go there. Oh, the city. It's by okay. the ocean, so you have to try the seafood. Oh, my God. Very cool. That's awesome. you want to do, that's what you're do. So when you see Sebastian Lobo Guerrero, tell him he needs to take me there. I already told him. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Luis. Okay, it was great to have a conversation with you. And uh, yeah, and Tim, and you go a long way, and I'm happy to be part of it. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Luis. Game day, DFI game day. You've got I mean, you're used to the adoring fans. I, I know that. For sure. Yeah. Legend. It does. Yes, I like that too. But DFI is special place. Influencing other geotechnical engineers is my favorite. Okay. As long as the influence is for the good. Yes, it is for the good. <laughs> so, Tim, do you want to start off with asking uh, Jared some important sure, questions? Jared, um, you know, you you were a you were a prototype. You started the the podcast and in wow. this kind of community. And so, I don't know. Give us maybe a, like helpful hints. Give us a little bit of your you know, if you were to kind of <laughs> to tell somebody that was aspiring, what, give us some like you know, what do you learn? What's good? What didn't work? Well, I think I kind of had a uh, a head start because I wasn't the one that was creating, right? I was I was hosting, or I am hosting a podcast. But a buddy of mine, Anthony Fasano, he must have, I think we're up to like seven podcasts or so through Engineering Management Institute. Yes. And so the infrastructure is there to create the podcast. And I think that anybody who started from scratch, taking some time to figure out what that infrastructure is, and I get, I'm a geotech, so I have to think like that. Like if the right. foundation is there you're not going to go very far but having that infrastructure being consistent having an idea of who you want to interview what you want to talk about what is your actual message who is your actual audience what things can you explore and what things you maybe not to make sure you stay on message and on brand those things are important uh getting an idea of what you want to do and how frequently that's very important we've had uh, over 60 episodes as every two weeks, so that's over two years. We haven't missed oh it. So it's Amazing. like having that system is like super important, right? Um, and I think about just like a project, right? We think right. about projects and sometimes we have 
you, know, you might have 10 projects, you take on an 11th. How are we going to do this? You have to make sure you have a team that's appropriate, resources to allocate them so that you're not getting left behind. Right? Yes, yes. And but um, I, it's it's been fun. Conversations have been fun. You learn a lot. Uh -huh. um, and you find that we have more in common than you imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, were yeah. you in were you in love with the podcast or did you just you just wanted to do something where you were conveying information and then you adopted the podcast? Which which came first? The, the... I would say I, I was invited. I was asked. He okay. said he was going to get it. His, his listeners said that, you know, they had a civil podcast. They had a structural podcast and they said, we want a geotech podcast. So he reached out to me and said, you know, can you host it? And I said, hey, man, I've never done anything like that before. And so for me, I was intrigued because I'd be reaching out to do something I hadn't done before. Yeah. And, and that is, I'm not one that likes change, but I do see opportunity and change. When I'm doing something I'm not familiar with, you know, these new muscles that are created or, new, you know, expand, right? Um, so a little bit of anxiety, how's this going to work out? But after a few got under belt, I was like, wait, this actually can work. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So who wants to listen to a podcast talking about nerdy stuff like geotechnical engineering? Hey, when we I talk do. about it, it's actually I, very I fascinating. nerdy stuff all the time. It's, it's to me, it's the, it's a yeah. wonderful. I have to tell you, I think there are many of people in the industry have listened to all your podcasts, but I'm one of those. I've listened to every single one of oh, them. Oh, my gosh. I'm not kidding. A button or a pen I could give you a ribbon or something. You, awesome. <laughs> you know, that is my favorite part of the day. Uh, yeah. When I'm listening to the podcast, I'm walking my dog, Banjo. Okay. And uh, who is Jared Green talking to next? Ah, that's cool. You know, that's I listen cool. to that. And my favorite part of it is career factor of safety. Okay. That is genius, <laughs> genius way of putting it together. I mean, if you listen to all the career factor of safety, that can be, uh, you know, a guidebook for young engineers. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's true. Because so much that we take for granted Yes. Right, someone else hasn't experienced that yet. So hearing how they put it together is helpful. Oh it's yeah. Helpful. So I, you know, if we're providing some value, I'm glad to hear. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of work. So it's good yes. to hear this providing value. And for me, I don't want to take time to do something unless it's going to provide value to somebody. Yeah. So even walking around here and hearing people that that have listened and it was a guest that was helpful for them, it, mm -hmm. it makes me feel. Good. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, you know, Tim, we should put uh, Jared uh, on the spot and ask him who was his favorite. Uh -oh, okay. Yeah, oh, right. right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> really going to do that? She did. Only with the caveat that we understand that that you probably reflect and you could name a number of them, but yeah. let's just say one that stands out. Okay, maybe among others. I would say that one that stands out amongst others, and this is interesting. What I'm going to say. Is somebody that both of you know very well. Ooh, let's Sebastian. see. Oh, yeah. He was on and he talked about his adventures. He talked about like his father and what happened back home. It was an amazing conversation. <laughs> and so many people come back to that one yes. and say, man, where'd you find this guy? Who is it? And I say, he's a geotechnical legend, man. Yeah. So have, having him at this conference is pretty funny that I yeah. would say him. But yes, I would say that that was a very fun conversation. Yes. Because yeah. we covered a lot. You know, and he's, you know, PhD, we didn't go through integrals or anything too heavy, but it was very practical for what we do as geotechnical engineers, yeah. as far as when you're in the field, why we go to conferences, what we do at conferences, uh, how to advance in your career, we covered all those things. Yeah. So, um I'm thinking we might have to do a part two. <laughs> part two, yes. Yeah, when you get him talking, talking right? It's like, oh my I, say, I didn't really ask you 
what was the podcast that you said the least, but I suspect it's going to be the same one. The one that was the, wait, wait, wait what's that your you, question? That you said the least. I said, I, Sebastian has a way. Uh-huh. Oh, first, I didn't have to say anything. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I didn't have to say anything. That's exactly right. Sebastian. I love Sebastian because we'll ask him a question and he goes on and on and on and it's like, and now I'm getting your question. Yeah, right. Wait, so what was that last Wait a minute. What happened to that? You know, one of my favorites, I should not pick this as my favorite, but I still love this one is one of the first ones that you did, Joanna Smith. I have a very warm heart for Joanna Smith. She is amazing person amazing person and the love and care that she and passion that she has for younger generation yes. and grooming the younger generation to get yes. to where we want to be we always talk about there are no uh, there are not many uh, engineers coming into you know workforce and mm-hmm. things like that and she's grooming them she's right now she's doing her part so yeah. that was my favorite one that was my favorite one if i have to and that and was early on early that was, on. Early that on. was a second one i think it was i I think the third second, one. Second or third? I think it was the third. Third one. one. Yeah. Professor Clements for second. Wow. See. Remember, remember these things. See, I, I, I've listened yeah, to you, every you one of them. You <laughs> oh, so, my goodness. Um, it's good. And it's good to be here. I'm glad that you all are doing this. It gives an opportunity to hear what people are thinking. That's very important to engage the membership. We got to find creative ways to engage the membership. Sure. Everybody can be a part of what's happening in yeah. yeah. So I think uh, I really want to ask Jared about students because what? he is a legend in student realm. <laughs> I I want to say because you're everywhere with respect to students, universities. I see you career fairs. You are there cheering them on the baseball field. <laughs> so I want to ask you, what is the best way to get students involved? To get students involved with geotechnical engineering or just in general? In geotechnical engineering. For geotechnical engineering, I think we have to be present. We have to find a way to get into the classrooms. You have to find okay. a way to, to get in front of students. And when you're in front of students, share with them why we do what we do. Because when you talk about what you're passionate about, that becomes contagious. People say, wow, I'd love to be to do that. Because they like they do. When we think about what we do as geotechs, a lot of times we're designing things, but then we're in the field, seeing them get constructed. And then ultimately someone is using that space, right? Whether it's a park or a rec center or a hospital or a university, someone is using that space. space. Yeah. And that space is being founded on something that we design. Yeah. And that's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. So I say for students, um, a lot of times there are you know, different organizations that are looking for volunteers, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's always the need, but we just have to be plugged into the need. So yeah. when somebody's saying, I need somebody to come to talk to these students about what is happening, raise your hand. Raise your hand and say, I'll do it. Don't wait till you have time to give back. You'll never have time. Oh, well, Make sure. the time. Yeah. I have a question, Jared. Yeah. So do you work with uh, obviously young folks and you're, is it, do you find it difficult for things like engineering or geotechnical engineering to compete. I mean, you know, we've got social influencers and we've got folks, you know, that are, uh, you know, they're just constantly bombarded. Young folks are constantly bombarded, like kind of the, the rich, famous and quick. And we're selling a product that is really in engineering. I mean, there certainly there's some people that strike rich, but really it's a, it's a profession. It's a long-term profession. Do you find that difficult to sell? I think that if you're, you know, if somebody says, I want to be rich, what, what should I study? 
most people don't start with geotechnical engineering, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't sell it that. I say, if you want to have a career that's fulfilling, if you want to make a difference in the community where, where, where you work, right? Where you live, where you pray, where you play, this is something that you can do. And I talk about the types of projects I've worked on. I've only been doing this 20 years, close to 20 years. And I don't think I've worked on the same type of project, right? It's like different types of projects. And that's allowed me to interface with different types of people. There are times I'm in a boardroom, there are artists, sometimes there's business professionals, sometimes there are, you know, sometimes it's a, a religious facility, sometimes it's a medical practitioner. So they're like people that didn't study soul mechanics, but the soul mechanics has gotten us in the room that yes. we're interacting with them. Yes. And when I explain it that way, then it's like, wow, well, that's interesting because for me, I get bored easily. So I like to do different types of things. Yeah. And when you think about the different geologies that we interface yeah. with just in a given city or town, there's a lot of different variations. So I think that for me, and, and and then when you think about like we're talking about sustainability and safety, think about how much time we spend just talking about safety people on a project yeah. site. Yeah. When when you know I don't I don't I can't, I'm not going to talk about for other industries, but I don't know other industries are focusing that much on things like safety, resilience, sustainability. Those are things that are very important. And equity, these are things that are very important for the next generation, the current generation is to school. And if we're able to show practically how that's being incorporated into the designs that we're putting forward, the collaboration that we're you know, doing in conferences like this, I think that becomes attractive. That's awesome. Definitely. You know, and then, you know, you do make money, right? We're yeah. businesses, sure. so we're allowed to make money. And, yeah. and, and you know, I'm not gonna say you're gonna be hurting as an engineer, but you will be okay. Yeah, be, yeah. And you have the opportunity. Yes. Now, I've been doing this for 20 years at the same place, and I plan to continue to see the place. But there are people that have started in consulting and have gone to contract. People are starting contracting and going to business development. So you're going to start a business development and then go and work for a totally different type of entity where they might be the only person with a geotechnical background. Sure. You yeah. can do public, yeah. you can do private, you can do yeah. semi, non yeah. There's so many different things you can do with that degree. Yes. And because, you know, the degree is one where it's like, oh, you're an engineer or you got to be smart. Or you're an engineer or you're good with math. There's a lot of different types That's, of organizations that look towards that yeah. person and say, oh, you think differently, I want you to be on board. Yeah. So I don't think you can go wrong with it. I really yeah. don't think you can go yeah. wrong with it. You know, great. You know, a few seconds ago, you said a couple things. One was uh, you need to make time. You need to make time. And then you also talked about geology, how much you like different geology and you don't get bored. So I have a personal story I have to share yeah. that involves how amazing you are you know uh, no no seriously so this is uh, you know tim uh, when i no after 13 years of uh, being a geotechnical engineer i decided to jump into business development and uh, this is my first time walking into Langen's office oh, in New York City. I, I can't forget this story ever. I remember. You know, and this is my first time walking into Langen's office. And uh, if you haven't been to Langen New York office, it is amazing because when you walk in, the receptions desk behind of that is a huge world map. And in front of the world map, you have these rock cores neatly organized based on the world map. That is my favorite thing. That blew my mind, but that is not the end of it. I walk in and someone introduces me to Jared Green. So I am nervous as hell because this is my first week as business development person. And I'm going into Langdon and meeting Jared Green. Um, and I didn't know at that time how powerful he was. He must have been super, super busy. You know what he did? 
he came up to me and said, oh, you're starting business development. Come on, come over, come and sit in my office. And I went and sat in his office and in his office, I still remember you had a, a six foot long or five foot long core piece. Yes, yeah. in your office. And we spoke about that uh, piece of uh, rock core and you told me all about it. And then he gave me tips of how to excel in being a business owner. Look at that. Yes. Look where she ended up, but I can't take any credit for you that. That's on, all you on. like. Well, I have just a spin and I'll take just that. No, yeah, that's great. And he told me, <laughs> ever in your uh, career, if you need any help, if you need any, you know, anything at all, let me know. Very nice. Who, who does that? You know, oh, that's really great. You know, I'm always grateful for that. Hey, Jared, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. You, I'm glad you took it seriously. Thank you. Of course. And for listeners, if they're not they they're not uh, following uh, Jared on LinkedIn, you better because you start your David Jared and she you end you your end your David Jared. You know, so I take people on the journey. Yes, you take if people it's on the journey. Law, I take people on the journey. <laughs> I don't know. This is mind blowing, right? This is awesome. This is mind blowing. <laughs> well, I, I, I would say that um, I, I think it's important to pour into people. Yes. And so, so like you come and you're asking for the questions. If there's something I can do to help, and I think I might have said like, yeah, you know, it's not a script, right? But this is what was helpful for me. Take what you want from it, and, and it's good to hear that all those years later. And it's like I hey, have never forgot. I didn't forget. So thank you. No, it's it's that gives me more incentive to continue to pour into people. Yeah, you know, and make time for what's important. So, so we may have a minute left or something. Yeah. But I, you know, Jared, you're you're a little bit off the beaten path. I don't think. I mean, what you're what the way you approach Lucky and and I, you know, you and I don't know each other really well, but I I thought you know I followed you in your career and what you do. You're like I said, that's. That's not the average engineer that goes to these lengths to kind of embrace and accept people and try to, you know, edify. The word I like is edify because yeah. everybody, it seems like you meet, you try to lift them up in some manner, whatever they need, you try to lift them up. Mm -hmm. When did you start that? You know, I didn't grow up knowing what an engineer was. I ended up in engineering as a freshman in college. And I was going to go into something else, but I learned about engineering. I decided to stay here. And I was in my it was end of sophomore year, or beginning of I think it was beginning of junior year. I was told uh, by a professor that I won't name. I was told by a professor I would never be an engineer. That you told just, your professor. No, a professor told me that. Point where I knew I wanted to be an engineer. And he told you that. Told me I would never be an engineer. Oh man, that that that's fighting words. Right? Was, no, where were you at? I'm just I don't want to. I'm not. Old no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, but I see Philly and my dad went to Drexel. I'm not trying to cast. I just was curious. I just was curious. Oh, I'm not dispersing on anybody. I, just I, I won't say where I, I went to Syracuse undergrad, University of Illinois, uh, Urbana Champaign for I Matthews. think I knew. So I, I won't say. You're not a Drexel draft. No, I'm not a Drexel draft. <laughs> but I hire a lot of Drexel folks. I'm in Philly. But, but this is somebody that you said you're never going to be an engineer. And that really like kind of crushed oh my God. me. And I remember talking to mentors, to family members. And I was like, I got to make a decision. Am I going to stay in engineering or am I going to try something else? But that affected you. You slept. I mean, you would go to bed at night. You hear, like, like, do I even get up tomorrow and study? Because this guy already told me exactly. my path was determined. But, you know, after you know talking to folks, praying about it, and, and I realized, if this is what I want to do. Just try harder and just make it happen, right? Nice. And going into engineering, becoming an engineer, I'm very thankful for the opportunities I've had. I see how it's changed my life and people around me. 
And so any opportunity I have to tell somebody about science, technology, engineering, art, mathematics, I'm all on it. So have you ever yeah. thought about the fact that that professor or teacher or whoever it was without any sort of intention molded you for the better? You know, that's a good question. It's a good question because I don't think it was intentional. Oh, it was. <laughs> I said that. It was not intentional, but I think. But, but that's think what. About yeah. it, 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 see, and I think that goes up to each individual. Each individual gets their share of crap and they get their share of good stuff. And yeah. it's what you take with that crap and you turn it into something. Yeah. That's where magic is made. Yep. Yes, yes. And I look at it as the power of our words, right? We Absolutely. can say things that can Absolutely. We can say someone completely motivate someone and and so try my best. Absolutely. To, to see, they're good stewards. See, but you're a better edifier. And I'm just saying that it, it's really kind of a credit to you to say, I'm going to internalize it, but I'm not going to let it damage me. I'm going to let it motivate me in a good way. I don't think he had that intent at all. No, I don't think so. But uh, but kudos to you. Yes, for, and thank for, you. for building something that yeah. uh out of uh out of someone's probably yeah, probably a misspoken and probably yeah. uh, inappropriate comment. But yeah. you built something great. Yeah. And thank you for staying in the industry so you can inspire more people. Okay. To I'm become, here. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I'm so, here. <laughs> one last question before we uh, yeah. end the session. Okay. You inspire so many people around the world. What inspires you and who inspires you? Wow. That's a very difficult question. That's a very difficult question. I think that for me, I'm inspired by people that make something out of nothing. I think about my grandfather, he's, he's, uh, he has passed away. But um, I grew up in a single parent home. He stepped in to be kind of like a father figure. He was a sharecropper, seven years old in South Carolina. So he had a very hard life, didn't have a lot of education, but he showed us how to work hard, showed us how to love people. He showed us how to treat people the right way. And that inspired me as a young person. It inspires me even to this day. And I just want to leave things better than the way I get it. <laughs> That's so that could be the soil on a site and making it so I can re reinforce and hold the building up, or it could be the relationships that I had in my life. Amazing. Wow. Hard Amazing. Hard questions. Hard questions. over here. Not better than uh, carry your factor of safety. Um, Jared, we could talk. I know we over here. I think we got to close our time. All Thank right. you. I have to give you Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for inspiring me. My pleasure. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you, Jerry. Be around. Yeah. Wow, that was powerful. That was. Yeah, it's that's gonna be that may be our shining moment thus far. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. All right, welcome back to game day. And we are super excited to have Jamie Rosen with Geocentech. Um, we're going to delve into a little bit of uh, his committee uh, chairmanship and what he does, but uh, welcome, Jamie. Thank you. We're nice glad to, to have you. you. Nice, nice to see you, David. Very welcome. It's always a, a warm welcome at DFI. Yes. I, I want to start with a question that that we've asked a few of the folks, and that is, um, tell us something about yourself that others may not know you know, you know, and you're willing to share with us so that we, when we see Jamie walking down the hall, we can say, that's Jamie and blank. Right. Well, uh, you'll be seeing a, a new side of me at the opening reception 
in this very room that is, uh, that is unusual. But uh, without going into that, I guess what you need to know about me is that although I'm a geologist, I, I'm not a DFI as an engineer or representative of, of typical foundation engineering services, but rather I'm a provider or my team is a provider of software tools and database tools to support construction of foundations and monitoring foundations. So I uh, provide an accessory service within the, the, the engineering world, the civil world. Very good. Very unique. Yeah. Very unique. Um, that being said, so you have to elaborate on what is happening at the opening. Well, for the second time in a row, and I missed the first one, uh, very sadly, there will be an open mic musical performance. Uh, I, I normally keep my musical career separate from my Deep Foundations career, but tonight they're coming crashing together in a spectacular and possibly violent fashion. Cool. <laughs> what are you going to be doing? Playing I'll an instrument? Be playing singing? rock and roll piano. And we're hoping uh, that it's uh, truly an open mic and we'll have some people from, singing, uh, from the group come up and, and do a tune or two, and, and I'd be happy to accompany them if they do. What is uh, one favorite song, if we can ask you, that you would like to play on piano? Well, what, what you're going to hear tonight, for better or for worse, is kind of the, the middle-aged classic rock that I've been playing for literally my entire adult life. So it's not much of a musical stretch, but uh, at home, I, I, I like to think I play a wider variety of, of music. See how smooth that was, Tim? That was. He did not even tell us what song he will be playing. The well, you can practically guess from the... Classic uh, rock. That can be a lot of things. And he was very smooth in saying that. You know why he did that? Don't miss the opportunity to see me playing piano. That's right. Hey, Jamie. You got that, didn't you? Yes, of course. I've known you for a few years now. Come on, Jamie. <laughs> I see. Well, Jamie... Um, you're the chair of what committee in DFI? I'm a chair of the Information Management Systems Committee, which until very recently was the Project Information Management Systems Committee. We had a name change that we're, we're very uh, happy about. Um, second person to serve that, that chairperson, we're still a very young committee. We're still uh, finding our, our mission and finding our, our values to DFI, but I'm extremely happy with the participation of the committee meeting yesterday. When I saw on the calendar that there were uh, no fewer than four committee meetings at the same time, I thought it might just be myself and, and two or three people online. Sure. Uh, but happily, we had uh, the, certainly the most capacity we've ever had in, in our young, small group, even though we were opposite the grouting committee meeting, which that's the money committee. Wow. That's the one oh, yeah. people want to attend. Uh, and we even found uh, willing volunteers for, for a few roles, like uh, our, our vice chair and our secretary and our website curator without too much trouble. So it uh, feels like we have some momentum and some vibrancy. And I mean, what sparks you to uh, move into the chairmanship? Tell me. Well, I, I was there from the beginning, which mm -hmm. wasn't too long ago, um, and probably would have been happy to have served as, as the first chair had there not been a more experienced uh, DFI member to, to fill that role. Um, I came into the foundation's world through data management, specifically through geospatial data management, and starting in uh, the, the mid-2000s, so around 2008, 
was my first true DFI style project at the Herbert Hoover Dyke Rehabilitation in Florida. But over years of providing geospatial data solutions to foundation projects, I was very lucky to have been able to participate with the Army Corps of Engineers in helping to address some of their first specifications on, on the matter. And then uh, uh, Gianfranco, um, fairly early in, in, in that time, recognized, uh, had incredible foresight to recognize the, the change in the industry and, and the recognition that these specifications were not going away and more and more DFI members would need to be aware of what these mean recommended formation of a committee and in a conversation in an exhibit hall very much like this one over over a coffee probably uh -huh. at this exact time the uh, late afternoon of the first day uh, of, of that particular annual conference you know I'm, I'm gonna ask a question but i may not understand your answer but I'm still going to ask you, so probably yeah. some of the viewers and, and listeners will tell us some of the tell us some of the uh, one or two of the programs that you're excited that your committee is working on. Yes. Yes. Well, our committee has been very focused on specifications there. As I mentioned, the Army Corps, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers had a U.S. Army Corps of Engineers specification for data management of their projects. But that had very specific federal language and software requirements that the Army Corps wanted. And our big endeavor the past year has been to create a generic DFI version of that specification. Okay. So with the Corps' permission and participation, we removed the federal language and removed a lot of the U.S.-specific language to make it international and removed some stringent specific software requirements to uh, enable the technology that we're aware of throughout the world and we now have a, a very proud comprehensive pfi guide specification for owners worldwide to start getting the data on their projects that they need in a manner that we know they can use and i'm very excited that our second version of these specs are now available as well as some various drafts of technology specific versions and specifications. Have you seen the industry adopting some, I mean, have you seen it where it's been implemented? Yes, it's still, still quite new, but yes, we have. Okay. And uh, my favorite of my personal recent projects have been the non-Army Corps projects that oh, have oh, yeah. requested the, if not actually implementing specs, have at least requested these technologies to be used. And we've had contractors who have I employed contractors like myself to provide this type of services, even without a government agency required. Required. That. Congratulations. So that that's, a, thank that's fantastic. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And the, the other. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much of that is the committee, how much of it is the influence of the, the government. Sure. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. But the other part I'm really proud of is we've had quite small projects use data technologies where previously there was a reputation in the industry that you needed a project of the size of, of Mosul or Wolf Creek mm -hmm. Dam mm -hmm. to justify even having a little database, but sure. for a few thousand dollars, you can have good data management practices. So uh, no project too small. Jamie. Yeah, perfect. Man. There's so yeah, much. When you find out right? people, I mean, I've, I've known Jamie a, a little while, uh, but I'll tell you, it's so grateful. I'm so grateful that people like Jamie looking out. I mean, I, 
this is something I don't even know exists, but Jamie's and his committee are working on. Working on, yeah. And That's wonderful. Yep. They're helping yeah. us get uh, more ahead of uh, where we want to be. And, you know, uh, uh, last week I was, uh, not last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in India and then uh, we went we went on a vacation with some other folks and they were talking about AI and, uh, you know, how AI is changing the industry yeah. and not just our industry, but the whole world. And they were talking about it and you came to my mind. You, you know, you came to my mind and I've thought about it. Like, you know, DFI has this committee just working towards getting all our information together and processing it, compiling it and making useful notations of it. So yep. thank and you for doing have, that. Thank you. We do have momentum. It's been maybe 28 hours since the committee meeting yesterday. And I've already had probably four sidebar okay. conversations from people who attended the meeting with ideas that have struck me since the meeting or volunteers to work on or specifications. And, um, you know, these are young, sighted engineers from different regions and, and different types of companies and, and agencies. So it's amazing. I'm very excited about the future of this. J yeah. Jamie, sadly, our time is up, but you're awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank uh, you. Sure, appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for coming. Uh, we're, topic. we're gonna hear. We're, we're we're excited to hear some songs tonight. Tonight, yes. You got it. One question before you leave. Yes. If we come to uh, Gillip, right? That's how you say it, or how do you say it? Oh, well, Guelph. Yes. Okay, Guelph. Well, it's a, a community west of Toronto, Ontario. Toronto. Okay. If we come up there, yeah. what is one thing that we have to do? Have to definitely you do. have to do. You have to have a a, a pint or a cup of tea at uh, the Woolly Pub which is my my home base for live music in the very cool. nice. nice super super thank you so much jenny this is a pleasure and nice to see you as always thank you. always love talking yeah. i'll take a hug thank you <laughs> so welcome billy aller from pi rock Grill. yes <laughs> Welcome, Billy. I'm Tim Siegel. We haven't probably met. We might have seen each other here and there, yeah. but nice to meet you. It's good to meet you, and thank yeah. you for joining us. Well, sure. Thanks for having. Yeah. So, tell us how has been your day today. Well, the most exciting part was getting up at three o'clock Colorado time to go join the five k. Oh, oh you in there? Five k. You saw me. You, we we were probably very close. Yeah, you guys were probably running. I saw you. No, I walked. Much faster. I got short legs and slightly overweight, you know, but. I, I looked at it. I was first in my weight category in the 5K today there because there was nobody else with my build. Billy, I was last. When we did the same run in Chicago, I was last. And I actually got an invite to repeat that. So yeah. I had to come. Interesting thing about Chicago is I think we did a 10K because we had to walk all around all the time. I remember. Yeah. It was not a straight. It was that was a long one. That was a 5K. We lost, yeah, we lost the but track. The, the geese were all over so, the sidewalk. So you yeah. kind of had to walk twice as far to get through all the yeah and and i think i remember like you know where are the uh you know the arrow signs and we couldn't find it and it took forever for us yes. to get back yes and it was cold as hell it was cold, cold that as wind hell. coming yeah. off that lake i'm like it's kind of like colorado but with all the extra humidity like even i was cold yes yeah. so um we want to ask you what is life in colorado where you live so we live in western colorado mm -hmm. so Immediately when, when people are like, well, where's TDI's headquarters at? We're in Montrose, Colorado, which is in the western side. So immediately- Are you like, over the Rockies? Are you west of the Rockies? We're west of, west of the Continental Divide. Okay. So you are west of the Rockies. We're one hour south of I-70. Most people know where I-70 is. Okay, so I'm 
I'm thinking like uh, basalt, basalt, right? Are you west of basalt, right? We're or southwest of basalt. Southwest, too. okay. Telluride, Colorado. Most people are familiar with Telluride for skiing. We're 62 miles north. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. life in Colorado, I mean, you know, like right now. You seem to have an accent, but it doesn't seem like you're from Colorado. What five generations from Colorado. Oh, was that five generations? Yes. Yes. Okay. yeah so maybe i speak more native western colorado than okay. everybody else. Uh -huh. it's uh you know it's fall the leaves are changing we've already gotten two snows in the rockies so the snow line's coming down it's starting to get chilly uh -huh. i caught my wife the other day with the window wide open and the heater on oh, like, you gotta pick your season you know she's one leg in the covers at night and one under the blanket and so we're we're in between yeah, that's how we are at our house even even during the summer, we'll drop the temperature down to like 66, but then we'll get under blankets. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. My, my husband always complains because I have the heater on, but I have the fan on and I have the blanket on. Yeah, we're so. doing that right now, too. You tell my wife, you like need like an electric onesie or something. I, that way you can regulate your heat without messing with it. You know, there was a, there, I remember, it's, I've always thought back, there was a show on David Letterman where this guy introduced a suit that is like a jumpsuit and it had water things going through it and you just like pump water through it you could make it any temperature you want to oh it didn't catch on obviously but i've always thought that be really cool you yeah. just walk but, around and unlike like just you need to warm up you just hit it and it just yeah that would be really cool for field work it would be in north dakota and it is like minus i know of course you look kind of stupid walk around in just a jumpsuit yeah. at least i would but you know but, i do it hey i've been on some sites and you have too i know billy you're like going, I don't care. In fact, that's one thing I want to talk about. Okay, Bill, you've been out in the field. Yeah. Okay. When conditions are really bad, comfort versus looking stupid, which do you take? I always take comfort. I do too. I do too. I would, so, I've seen guys wear bags, uh, garbage bags on their body. I've seen guys absolutely. wearing like, you know, uh, Mickey Mouse ears because yes. it was warm. I mean, you can yes. do anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, anything you would. Just, yeah, I. I mean, I'll sit next to the exhaust of a machine and just get pelted with. Pelted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, I've been in carbon It's going to be in my boots. We're going to get soaked. So you put two Walmart bags on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you. Then your I'm socks. You. Then put them. Yeah. You got it. If it's yeah. it, that's a field guy thing. And my kids are like a pop. You're like. Oh, I'll wear. Oh, you wait. You wait till you're cold. You. I'll wear any. So not only do I not have any style, I'm colorblind. So I come out of the, you know, Who like I go to a fundraiser or something. In the field, work. nobody and cares. My kids are like, you're not wearing that. Like, yes, I am wearing that. I'm like, well, why not? They're like, it doesn't even match. Yeah. I'm like, if you could see the world like me. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. That's, that's exactly right. That's we're all even. When it comes out in the yeah. field, we're all even. Yes. You know, I remember uh, for me, like being so tiny, it was so difficult to work in minus 40, minus 45, like four layers of clothes, and you had to get the car hearts out to use the bathroom. You got to eat more cheeseburgers. Oh, I'm a vegetarian. Oh, then that makes it Holy hard. cow. Next, next <laughs> life, not this life, next life. So I would I would hide behind the widest driller. You know, the biggest right. driller, I would hide behind him the whole that. time. Whatever, if you now find, people stand behind you know, I can tell you, like, even on a hot site, for example, if there's, like, one little tiny bit of shade, everybody's, like, lined up back to back and trying to get into that shade. Yeah. No, it's, it is, that's how it is. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about DFI. Okay. So you've been coming to DFI and supporting DFI for a very, very long time. And yes. I am known Sue for a very long time. Yes. She's one of my favorite friends. Oh, yeah. 
you know, um, and she's invited me to Montrose many times. So gotta go. I will one time, definitely yes. I will. So um, tell us a little bit about your involvement and what keeps you coming back. And what do you like the most coming to VFI? You know, there's so many things about VFI. I think for one, it's just a fantastic organization. Um, the education that you get here, the presentations, you know, we're, we're based out of Colorado. We sell drills all over the planet, but it's, you know, I'm more familiar with the Rocky Mountains because that's where I sell and that's where I live and where I, where I work predominantly. So it's always nice to go to places, you know, like in the East Coast and the South where they only have sand because it's a totally different drilling method. They still use our drills, but in a different way. So even with the product that I feel like I have pretty good knowledge of, with the DFI, you know, the presentations that they bring here, I always find another use for our drill, right. another way to maybe sell our drill and to help customers, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, TEI is the first company probably that, you know, if, if our drill isn't right for the application, we'd rather be honest and sell them something that, that they don't need, right? you know, but when I come to these events and I sit in these presentations, meet these people, I learned something that maybe our drill is capable of that I didn't know it was capable of. So supporting awesome. the industry, you know, that helps support us, I think is very, very important. That's awesome. And follow-up question for that is like, you know, yesterday in our leadership meeting, we were talking about like, you know, what can DFI do more for the supporters, right? I want to ask Billy, like, is there anything you think that DFI can do better or do more yeah, for you? I think that the, the one thing that they could do is like, Let's hold a couple events in Colorado so I don't have to travel so far. I think we all I think we should do that. that. No. I, what I, would it be better? Would it be Colorado Springs or Denver or somewhere else? Say Colorado Springs, you know. You know, I think there Denver. was one years ago yeah. in Colorado Springs, and it was truly lovely. Yeah. Although I will tell you one story. We were, I was with some friends, and we were sitting next to a fire outside there, and up comes a raccoon, and he wouldn't leave us alone. And I mean, we'd be, we were eating at a table and he would just keep reaching up and. Oh my God. That was, would be, yeah. But anyway, I love it. Yeah. Let's, let's start a movement right now to the Colorado Springs 2024. I don't know. Yeah. I think we should, because 2025 is the big one. 50 years. Actually, I, I was talking to Angie and I think 2023 or 24 is going to be an Aurora at the Gaylord. Oh, really? Yeah. So 2023 is uh, Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Next year it's in Aurora. Ah. 25, I believe. Uh, we're giving out information and we're not supposed to. If, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. No, no, uh, 25 is uh, 50 years for the 50 years, years in yeah. Nashville. Oh, in Nashville? Yeah. Oh, is yeah. it Nashville? Oh. Yeah. Well, awesome. we, I'll tell you guys. I don't think it's in Everyone because, knows I have a big mouth, so they'll be like, hey, Billy told me. He really because they were thinking of New York. They were thinking yeah. of New Orleans. They were yeah. thinking of California. They were thinking I, of, I, yeah. Rumor has, I like rumor it. has, I'm, I'm not the official spokesman for DFI. Billy, your your membership in DFI is called into question because you let out the huge secret. Right. <laughs> right now. I'm You're gonna, not going to tell Angie. I don't. She, and she won't be surprised that I know. Hey. <laughs> so uh one more question for sure. DEI. So I've seen that you guys have been expanding, right? You guys have been expanding. I saw you in Mexico, mm -hmm. Mexico City, the conference yes. uh SMIG and uh, yes. SMGE. That was amazing because I had Sue with me. Yes. And uh <clears throat> this was my first time, so it was really cool. And Glenn was there. Yeah. Yeah. So um are you expanding any other areas? Is uh, why Mexico City or Mexico? City? You know, 
we have been in several different areas and for us it's always finding that fit of, of people that are like us uh, family businesses you know things like that um mexico seems to be a, a good fit for us right now uh, we've got good people that we work with down there um, <laughs> and i think just um I don't know that we're really looking to expand any more into any new areas other than the ones we're in. We're just okay. trying to develop those areas a little bit more. All right, we got to wrap it up, but I want sure. one more question and then we'll call it, we'll call it a wrap. Okay. Sure. Um, tell us something about yourself, uh, Billy, uh, that very few people know, but if in colleagues in here and they see you, Billy, right. they want to go, Billy, he is the, you know, he has eaten the most, uh, boiled eggs of any man alive or something like that yeah so tell us something the one that usually gets them okay i mean i i've worked for tei since uh 1997 i believe um so everybody just always associates associates me with the drilling side sure and then when people ask my background they're like oh are you an engineer or you know what did you go to school for i actually went to a performing arts school as a musical theater major whoa so you know and my, and my dad this is gonna be awesome and my dad would always be like what you to acting school for you know like what good is it here i'm like well being in sales it helps you communicate with people wow. so so, you know. so billy from now on whenever i make eye contact with you one of these things i'm gonna look at you and go the plays the thing right all right okay i forgot to mention one more thing what's that billy loves his bourbon oh does well we've got billy i've got his bourbon you're I do guy. like bourbon. Okay, yeah, you have to get with some of the Dan Brown guys because that's all they do is sit around and drink bourbon. Got to get them to do more work. Colorado, and you have to warm yourself from the inside out. So, what is your favorite bourbon? Um, being from Colorado, I'm going to say Tin Cup, right? Tin Cup. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. awesome, Billy. Thank it's you. It's wonderful. I'm so glad. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, thank you. It's thank you. information and opinions expressed during Deep Foundation Institute's podcasts are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of DFI. DFI does not verify or take responsibility for the accuracy of the information contained, nor does it warrant that the information contained herein is suitable for any general or specific use. The podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Editing, modification, or redistribution of this podcast is prohibited.